Welcome to Bible Over Brews News. Deep thoughts, fermented over times, and headlines. I'm coming at you, Aaron Crude Juice Viverkin. I've got Keith. Sup? I've got Gumby. Hey, what's happening? I've got Mike. Howdy. And we're starting off with a Mexican mule made with Mexican Taramana tequila. It's a super smooth premium 100 blue Weber agave grown in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico. Roasted in authentic brick ovens and distilled in copper pot stills. This process creates a very smooth, fresh finish with hints of citrus and vanilla on the palate. This is none other than the tequila of the rock. All right. I want to smell what he's cooking. Am I supposed to squeeze the lime in, or is it just for show? Yeah, squeeze it in. Okay, yeah. I like to squeeze the lime. I feel like that could be taken inappropriately. Yeah, this <laughs> this is, uh, I believe it's pronounced Terramana or Terramania, one of those two. Uh, but yeah, this is this is the Rock's tequila, and this is uh, our Mexican mule. Does it make you do that eye thing? Oh, man, I hope so. <laughs> make you as big as the Rock? It's an <laughs> I dig. I dig. Not bad, right? Yeah. So I did That's use, uh, yeah, I, I used, uh, of course, Rose's lime juice for the accent uh, with a, uh, a garnish of a real lime and then uh, reeds uh, for our, uh, our ginger beer because that is a very authentic ginger beer. So, but not bad, right? Not at all. Maybe very he'll good. call in. And discuss this with us. Yeah. Right. Very smooth. <laughs> okay, Dwayne, we're ready. Right. Like, I just feel mellowed. By yeah. drinking it, I'm telling you, which maybe isn't a great thing for a podcast. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm expecting to get really worked up on this one, and now I'm just, I'm just totally chill. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I people have been asking me for a while about this tequila. Um, I've had people who listen to our show, and friends of mine who are like, "You have to have the tequila on the show." So, there we go. We do it for you. <laughs> Thank we you. We do it for you. Thank the you, listeners. The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> so mike you've been on the, on the show in a while weren't you traveling yeah i've uh been 33 percent around the globe basically what? google tells me just kind of by happenstance well spur of the moment some trips came up so i went to arizona spent a week there saw the grand canyon which is life-changing just to see it so if mm. you ever want to see something that really opens your eyes and changes your perspective just by visiting Highly recommend. Awesome. Then I uh, took my kids to California and spent a week from L.A. to San Diego and back, and that was really fun, too. And then some side trips, Pennsylvania, Kentucky type deal. But. Sweet. Yeah, busy two months. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's, a lot of, uh, it's a lot of travel time. Yeah, for sure. This is a very flexible job. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> if you play your cards right, you know what I mean? What? A lot of long weekends. What's so cool about remote work is like, if you're just like a computer programmer, like you could just pretend yeah. that you're on the clock, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm at work. And really I'm just like, you know, on a plane going somewhere else. Mm -hmm. As long as it like, I mean, maybe like periodically like log in and like, like upload some code, you know, yeah. check it in. Like maybe you just have it already sitting there ready for you and you look super productive. All you have to do is maintain that GitHub graph. It's got the little dots that show <laughs> how many check-ins you did a day. I mean... Like, or you could even subcon. I've heard of people who have yeah. subcontracted their own mm. job. I mean, that's really the way I got to do it. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of that too. I could totally get some other people to do my job, and nobody knows. <laughs> I had to do PTO. I'm a manager now of coders, so I don't. It's harder to fly under that radar. <laughs> <laughs> I if understand. anyone needs any tips, to you know, Keith to help you. <laughs> <laughs> that's our next episode: is how to pretend you're working when you're really not. Keith and, and his five-hour workday. Next, next, next step after that: the White House. <laughs> Apparently, Keith has hacked his life. <laughs> well, we have uh, a couple of very good stories today. Um, I'm actually going to let uh, Keith lead with his first story because oh, pressure. It's it's pretty good. It's um, it's spicy. It's it's this is the story of the year. Potentially one of the top stories in the country right now. Let the record reflect. Oh. If anybody's watching the video, I am wearing my my official Catholic shirt. My little Catholic since 33 AD. Right before I'm about to totally drag the U.S. bishops. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we are talking about none other than Joe Biden and communion. So some folks, maybe the whole world might remember um, 
sometime what was that mid June? I think that was mid June. Just about. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the USCCB, uh, had their uh, virtual assembly, whatever they meet, and they yell at each other uh, and decide things. Uh, and that was in the mid June, and at the top of the discussion was uh, this idea of Eucharistic coherence, which is the the uh, what defines you know as a Catholic, are you worthy to receive communion? So I forget. I don't. I'm a Catholic, so I don't remember Bible verses, uh, but I know there's something <laughs> in Paul uh, where he talks about. Was it? Isn't that in Corinthians where I'm drinking they, it? The, Maybe I'm Catholic. The, <laughs> <laughs> where where, where uh, you know he's talking about some people eating you know unworthily at the table of the Lord and they're getting sick and all that stuff. Yes. that's one of the Corinthians. That was, that was Paul's. Yeah. Is, is that was that the one where Trump said like one Corinthians instead of First Corinthians? Oh. I, I, I shouldn't. I didn't want to say his name. I can't believe I did. I didn't Farrakhan, mean to say his uh, First Corinthians ten of our There you go. Uh, yeah. So um, that of course is a Catholic doctrine about you. You can't be in a state of mortal sin, which you know means it was a really bad sin, and you knew you did it was bad, and you knew you did it, and you shouldn't be doing that when you receive. Or you shouldn't be in that state when you receive communion. You should have gone to confession first, and. The, the bishops are taking beef with the politicians, um, predominantly Democrats, who are also Catholic, who, um, according to them, are in a persistent state of manifest public mortal sin by supporting uh, pro-abortion policy. Whoa. So um, the article I keyed off, you can find a million articles on this, but... Uh, my favorite one was the editorial from uh, National uh, Catholic Reporter, uh, who's a little bit more of a left-leaning uh, Catholic magazine. Not to be concerned with the other NCR, or not to be confused with the other NCR, the National Catholic Register, which is definitely not left-leaning. Um, <laughs> but I like their uh, their title they had, which was editorial: "Why We Support the Bishop's Plan to Deny Communion to Biden." <laughs> and uh, they they say, "Just do it, just do it," so that if there happens to be a Catholic remaining who is not convinced that the Bishop's Conference, as it stands today, has become completely irrelevant and ineffectual, they will be crystal clear about the reality after the conference leaders move forward with this patently bad idea. Uh, despite plans to bury the real reason for the document, and this is the document about worthy reception of the Eucharist that they would ostensibly be giving to all Catholics in the U.S. to pay attention to, uh, the real reason for the document, the language about Eucharistic coherence, quote-unquote, this move is clearly aimed at Biden and the practice of the, his faith. Although Biden has said he is personally opposed to abortion, he has, as a politician, supported his party's stance on the issue, including the most recent proposal to remove the decades-old ban on federal funding for the procedure, which is the Hyde Amendment. So, um, so yeah, they, they, and, and you could see if you had, um, you know, some people were, were dutifully live-tweeting the live video feed of this uh, Bishop's Conference, and in the lead-up to this discussion... Even though what they ultimately voted on, they voted on by like a ratio of something like three to one for, you know, versus against uh, to publish this document. Ostensibly, the document is not about Biden, but all the discussion prior was about being totally pissed that we have our second Catholic politician and he's quote unquote pro-abortion and we just have to do something. Uh, So, um, yeah, that's the stage. Uh, I have opinions. I'm curious if anybody else has opinions before I go on a tirade here. Man, I'm coming in blind to the show. I didn't see the articles that anybody picked, and um, I'm really excited you brought this one up. I, I haven't researched it or anything, but it's a topic that I think kind of mirrors society today on how people can, in my opinion, I mean, this was, I'm sure anybody who has heard me talk understands that I'm one of the more legalistic of the group, I think, and uh, so I... I I think society as a whole tends to have both their cake and eat it too. And, mm. and I don't think it's right to pretend you're a Christian and not have to live by all, all Christian standards, whether you agree with it or not. You know what I mean? And so, like, spin up your own religion. But I don't think you can really support abortion like that and call yourself a Christian. I'm just going to come out and say it, you know, like, if you're supporting it wholly. Bombs dropped. Yeah. Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can have your, you know, like, I'm not saying, like, there's there's no gray area there, and as soon as you have an abortion or whatever, you can't be a Christian, but if you're just going to blindly say yes to abortion without having any sort of boundary, especially if you're going to use taxpayer money for stuff like that, yeah, I think you're, 
you're anti-Christian, actually. It's also one of the reasons I like being libertarian, because under the libertarian views, even though they're fairly lenient in how the laws run, there would be no federal financing for that. Mm. Yeah. So Right, right. Separation. The moral sanctity of tax dollars must (laughs) protect the conscience of our tax dollars. That's right. So why now? I see that. (laughs) Nice. I like it, though. Why now with Francis? Why would he... That's a pretty bold move, isn't it? Well, this has nothing to do with Francis. This is the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. This is a bugaboo purely with the American bishops. If this was Germany, we would be having no such discussion about this. Okay, so where does the Pope... Leave. Actually, great point. <laughs> I totally forgot to up. bring this up. I'm, I'm so glad, glad you brought this up because the it wasn't actually the Pope. It was one of the offices yeah. under the Pope, right? Yeah, it that put the... out a letter to the U.S. bishops shortly before this meeting, strongly discouraging them from taking this route in the most strongest terms possible. They said, "Do not do this." <laughs> yeah, without saying, "Don't do this," they said, "Don't do this." Yeah. <laughs> Don't come out. Because bishops would never actually say directly don't do this. We just we have too many words for that. That's that's not (laughs) a a, a Catholic ecclesiastical thing to say. So you still have to connect some of the dots for us because (laughs) So I mean, so with the the Vatican is very, very they like to be politically savvy. And what they their approach is we need to bridge gaps and be able to communicate the reason why we don't agree with this. We can't just say we don't agree with this. Okay. So they like to take the long approach to it so that you're educating the public and other world leaders as to why they don't do that. Whereas the USCCB is like, yeah, but we're Americans and this is just how it's going to go. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like the difference. I mean, it's, you're talking about older churches that are very acclimated to these, you know, political exchanges and knowing how mm-hmm. long it takes time. And inside their letter, they, they didn't say, don't, you know, don't do this. They said, we need to take more time for this. There needs to, we need to, you know, express reason for it. They went on to ex- they, to they ex- talked about building consensus yes. among the other national conferences of Catholic bishops. Like, don't just go this alone, you know. Right. Mm. Kind, of, kind of like before the Iraq War. Don't just go it alone. Uh, <laughs> right. <we> actually vote. <laughs> right. Well, I like that the consensus thing slow it down. But I am uh, I'm getting frustrated with the lack of strong voices in the Christian hierarchy. Like up, like people aren't taking stances anywhere. You know what I mean? Or they're getting silenced, and so. You know, I, I, I'm pro, like, being a, a joined force, and maybe this was out a little too early, but I would hope it would have eventually been the same stance. Well, apparently they felt the same way you did. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they all did come together on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. They, they, they're, well, they're, they're definitely looking like they're passing all of it. Yeah, so. yeah. Like, it, it was, it was a, it's, the thing they're going to put out is going to be basically aggressively subtweeting the president. <laughs> without directly putting his name down because this is the interesting part is the united states conference of catholic bishops is not an official like in the like super official like has actual authority over congregations or catholics in a geographical area it's not like a real thing it's just like a club of u.s bishops so as a matter of policy they can't actually say every bishop or every priest in in the United States has to deny Joe Biden communion if he shows up in their line mm. or Nancy Pelosi or whoever. Um, they can make teaching documents that we're supposed to take under consideration. And their bishops, you know, the bishops can kind of get together in cahoots and a bunch of bishops can agree that, hey, we're going to make all of our, our um, you know, pastors do this in our diocese or whatever. But as a body themselves, they could never do this. And, and they, they won't actually be able to do that because there's a plenty of bishops who, and, and by plenty, I mean, you know, one fourth of them uh, who did not agree and really are vehemently opposed to the concept, including the two bishops who happen to be running the diocese that Joe Biden frequents communion at, <laughs> uh. you know, Washington, D.C. and Wilmington, Delaware. So in a sense, it doesn't matter if you're actually like, you know, well, yeah, we want to actually, you know, get in front of Joe Biden as he's about to go communion, dive in front of him and <laughs> shove him out of the way. It ain't going to happen. You can you know, try to turn a bunch of Catholics against him, which, I mean, to some extent, they didn't really need the bishops to do that. Uh, 
um, you know, it, it's it's almost like a PR campaign in a sense at that point. I was point. just going to ask, right, is this like right. a political smear then at this well, point? Well, I mean, the USCCB is a teaching institution. They're not really, they're not an authority. An authority they're more of a teaching institution. That's like the like the, the NASB, the NASR, uh, NASBRE. That translation is directly under their their leadership and their their notations on it and stuff like that. Which is actually, by the way, a great translation. Even before I became Catholic, I was really being inclined to that translation because of how closely it was to the Greek. It's very very well done. But they're definitely more of a a teaching body than they are an authority. So yeah, mm. you know. but their words do hold weight. I mm. mean, like if you say, "Well, this document came out from the USCCB," if you're an American Catholic, you you take pause and you're like, "Oh, well, then I I should probably read it." Did Biden have a comment one way or another? That's or? what sort of really. He's been pretty like much trying to stay above it. Like I think his press secretary has had a few like you know oh that's a private matter kind of comments or like. Uh, I'm but not worried about that kind of thing. Nothing's private with the president. Kennedy's yeah. <laughs> Catholic life wasn't that private. You know what I find interesting is it doesn't seem so. I mean, he does go to mass every week. There was a, that yes. mass uh, he exactly. went to in the UK, I think, where you know it was kind of a big deal around there. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems like people actually respect the cameras not going in because mm. um, you see him go in and that's it, and you don't really know what happens inside. Um, which I don't know. I just feel like in this day and age that somebody would do something. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like everything seems to get filmed. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so who, who's ready for, uh, my, my litany of reasons why this is a bad idea. All right, <laughs> go, here we go. Keith, go. So yeah. I, I got three that are kind of like the typical, like what people talk about. And I fourth one that I don't feel like people are talking about enough and I want awesome. to bring to light. Um, which maybe means I'm more leftist than even the lefty Catholics who I think are talking about the first three. Uh, so, number one, uh, worthy reception of communion is a private matter. Uh, ultimately, it is between you, your conscience, and God. Uh, the, the reason, this is the reason why we don't, priests and, and bishops and whatnot, don't generally police communion. Like, it's really hard to know the actual state of somebody's soul. Yeah. I would argue it's even hard for a person that know the state of their own soul sometimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> that could be a whole nother mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, <laughs> so to, to, to police in this way, to try to be like, we know that Joe Biden is, you know, in mortal sin or whatever. It's presumptuous. And, and to be fair, I don't think actually anybody says that because there is kind of another train of thought. The, the counterpoint to this would be that, well, it's this manifest public grave, as in it could be mortal sin. Um, like it's a big deal kind of sin and it's out there in the public, which is why, hey, maybe this is a case where, where even then, because this, there's a scandal, that's, that's the kind of the key word I'm looking for, it brings about scandal to mm. the church and yeah. the faithful. Um, therefore, that's why we would deny somebody communion. And this has actually happened before with certain politicians uh, where they have been denied by their bishops. Maybe Nancy Pelosi has. I'm trying to think of, there might have been a few others um, that come to mind. Well, they don't come to mind, obviously, because I can't tell you them, but there have been a few others. Um, so that's number one that comes up a lot. Uh, number two, this is clearly political, and the church getting overly political is bad. And even though the document, as we've kind of already gone around the block, even though the document that they're going to put out is not going to say Biden, it's going to be very much about Biden because all the discussion leading up was about Biden. And it's not like this has existed. Even the discussion has existed in a vacuum. Uh, individual bishops have been going hard after Biden on this the whole time uh, that he's been president and, and even before that. Uh, number three is the double cent- standard. So, yes, while... Um, we can, you know, possibly among all stripes of, of Catholics and Christians agree that abortion is a preeminent moral issue. Uh, what about some really obvious cases of grave scandal through other sins that politicians have, com- uh, have committed? Like, uh, what about Bill, the executioner bar, our attorney general who sent a bunch of people, he resumed federal executions. Like in the last months of the Trump presidency, he was like left and right in a world already where the Pope has declared that the death penalty is basically no longer valid in really any realistic instance. Um, super Catholic Bill Barr is going around, you know, sending people to death, like, mm. all the time. Like, 
even as a lame duck administration, he's like, we just have to kill as many people as possible on death row. <laughs> it was insane. And then right in the middle of that, there was actually uh, this like Catholic, I forget the name of them. It was a Catholic group that actually rewarded him like, uh, you know, you're a super faithful, great Catholic dude wow. award or something like that. That's not the real name of the award, but I can't remember it. <laughs> um, so those, those are the three reasons that I think people typically bring up. The fourth one I want to bring up today, which is, what is a pro-life law anyway? And if you would go on to the USCCB pro-life committee website, and they're going to have like press releases. And this is what I mean too when I say like, this has been going on for a while. It's like ever since the administration has started, all these little like pro-life actions the Biden administration does, or not pro-life actions, I should say, at least on their terms, uh, you know, the USCCB is right out there with a press release saying like, Oh my goodness, Biden rescinded the Mexico City policy. Uh, you know, the end of the world. Biden is protesting against the bar, the uh, Hyde Amendment, uh, you know, wanting federal funding for abortions or whatnot. These things are, are automatically horrible. And oh, Biden doesn't like this pro-life law in this jurisdiction. So Biden is clearly pro-abortion. You're saying Catholics are saying that? Uh, the bishops in particular. Um, this I'm 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 very you know caricaturizing their <laughs> press releases. <laughs> I was just like that. <laughs> yeah, bishops are like like totally. That is so pro-abortion. <laughs> uh, Why do they sound like Valley Girls? <laughs> <laughs> so when and I'm there's so many of these I could go into. I go down so many rabbit holes. But when we look at a lot of these, you know, nominally, you know, these these at the face level, they're pro-life laws or administrative decisions or whatever and we find out they're not really like mm. the mexico city policy which is the policy banning uh you know originally it was banning uh working with i think family planning non-government organizations abroad that uh you know either you know were in some way associated with abortion and abandoned any funding of those and what would always happen is the republican would uh enact mexico city policy which enacts the ban against funding those and then the Democrat would go and rescind it and allow those NGOs to be funded again. Um, well, in the Trump administration, that was actually greatly expanded to be any any NGO that even faintly whiffs in the direction of abortion uh, will have will not be funded. Um, so what we actually found in the Bush administration, people were actually you know going back and doing the analysis, and they found out like the Mexico City policy probably cost more lives than it saved in the bush administration and then we get to the trump administration and it doesn't even seem like it's really about preventing funding of abortion anymore it seems like it's literally just about preventing funding of you know of international aid basically in general hmm. um so who knows what the receipts of that will be mm. um there was another one that came up uh the um weldon amendment that was one that just came up in a press release like two days ago from them that apparently in an appropriations bill like there's a you know a bunch of amendments that always get passed in these appropriations bills. there's a hyde amendment which prevents uh bars federal funding of abortion services there's the weldon amendment which is a more recent one which apparently is some kind of conscience protection but it's related around money like you the government can't pay for services from someone from a some organization that uh doesn't allow people who won't perform abortions to work with them or something like that no, I'm probably grossly generalizing there, but uh, so you look at that, for instance, and that was another one where, uh, you know, you have laws and then you have how laws are executed, of course, like when because our Congress just sucks and laws are too complex. There are a lot of things in, in the law are like we have this general idea and we delegate this um, this part of the executive branch to actually implement it. Like a lot of the stuff in the Affordable Care Act, for instance, is really dictated by rules done by the health and human services. So really just a government appointees by the president who ultimately set the exact standards. Well, the same case with this Weldon Amendment where the Trump administration greatly expanded its interpretation of it and actually used it to deny Medicaid funds to California in the middle of the pandemic um, for a health program that was already approved under the rules for the Weldon Amendment. So basically it was like, like, hey, we can use this stuff to just F with California. <laughs> my final one is the Hyde Amendment. So, well, actually, no, it's not my final one. Hyde Amendment is a complicated case because the Hyde Amendment does prevent tons of abortions. But you know how it prevents abortions? 
It prevents abortions by taking the only viable healthcare plan for millions and millions of poor Americans, which is Medicaid, and says, those people can't have abortions. It basically says abortions are for rich people, they're not for poor people. So even though it does save a lot of lives, it saves it by being deeply discriminatory. I feel like we would recognize it as like, kind of like racist if it were to pass today. It basically think, I think it gets a free pass because it's old. Um, mm. the, the, the final part that really got me, uh, so Biden, um, like I can totally kind of understand as a, as a perspective, sometimes I put my, my brain in the state, like what if I were president, what would I do? And I think, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't, maybe I would play along to get along with the rest of Democrats. Okay. I'm a pro-life, you know, person or whatever. Uh, and I'd be like, Hey, let's have like a ceasefire on abortion. Maybe that would be my, my stance. And then, I, you know, I'm like, I can totally understand Biden doing that. I can totally understand in that context to get other stuff done because it doesn't seem like we're getting anything done on abortion to say, hey, I'm personally pro-life, but I'm not going to fight this on policy. The part where I had always thought he had gone beyond the pale was to actually call for uh, a, a, um, a, a federal law, you know, encoding Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade is a court decision that guarantees abortion because the court agrees that it should be allowed for now. But we could have that easily overturned unless there's actually a federal law specifically saying that abortion is a right in the U.S. Uh, it's kind of like the Voting Rights Act. You can have the court say, hey, that's violating voting rights. But if you don't actually have the Voting Rights Act, they don't have much to go by. Uh, so I always I thought that for a long time. And then Texas had this heartbeat law that they passed. So this is one of those you know laws yeah. that they passed to challenge uh, Roe v. Wade, you know, like a vehicle to send to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And one of the great innovations, of course, there's like a lot of other heartbeat laws where it says, hey, there's no abortion allowed uh, after the presence of a fetal heartbeat, with, you know, about six weeks or so. But their innovation was, you know, people keep striking down laws that says that where the government enforces not allowing abortions. We're going to make it so the way we enforce no abortions is by allowing random private citizens to sue people who help people get abortions. Oh, wow. So whoever, I, I'm not 100% sure if it applies to people outside of Texas mm. or not, but for sure, if I lived in Texas, I could just be like, you know, I thought that midwife helped so-and-so get an abortion, so I'm going to sue her. I can get up to $10,000. I can get $10,000. How great is that? <laughs> so I got to that point, I'm thinking like, you know, that's just really, that's pretty cruel and sadistic. And... Obviously, with our issues in law enforcement, no doubt that's going to be targeted at, you know, poor folks, non-white folks. Um, you know, it's, and of course, when we talk about abortion, it's not easy to detect what's an abortion and what's not. If all you have is there was a, a pregnant woman and a non-pregnant woman. It's very easy to target in a law like that someone who is helping someone through a miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy or whatever. Yeah. So... Okay, so you've got that. Like, how far could people go? Could people go to the point where maybe they're going to take away the children of anybody who's had an abortion before? Like, really, these states, I mean, if, unless a court's going to stop them at a higher level, there's nothing stopping these Republican legislatures. So I got to the point where I'm like, the only way to practically stop that is actually like a law encoding Roe v. Wade. Mm. And then I'm like, there's me as someone who's tried my butt off to be pro-life. I apologize, my rant is almost done. I'm not so sure I would be doing that much different than Joe Biden right now. <laughs> well, I mean, that would was... be louder than him. <laughs> Amen. I mean, that sounds like a joke, but it's true. I what mean, are you talking so... about? I, well, I meant more. Like, what I did he mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think he just doesn't say enough. I, I don't know what you meant. Were you literally volume? Oh, so I overthought that one. <laughs> but anyways, like he's not, he's not. I think, I honestly think he that, you might be giving Joe Biden a pass on some of that by saying, well, the laws are more complex, but I'd go the opposite route and I'd say it doesn't have to be, your stance doesn't have to be complex. Yeah, the issues themselves are complex, yeah. but he's on record pretty much supporting abortion. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm saying, like, then it becomes between him and his church congregation right? to where the priest should say, hey, Joe, <laughs> this is not cool how... How can you align yourself with us? Because, I mean, if my kids do something that reflects poorly on the Donahue name, you know, not, not, I'm not going to disown them, but I'm going to say this is not how we do things in the Donahue household. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, in, in Keith's defense, um, Roe versus Wade was actually drafted by a Republican. 
It was passed by Republicans. Yeah. And one of the only people who opposed it was a Democrat. Yeah, but what does that have to do about so, We're talking about Biden um, specifically yeah, but in this case. Yeah, those definitions change. And I know. They always change. Um, I'm going yeah, to. That's uh, why I'm saying you can't go to the I'm, issues I'm, like I'm, that. I'm going to quote uh, America Magazine for just, just very briefly. Um, have Republican leaders failed to achieve the reversal of Roe versus Wade because they do not really want to? And this is. This is uh, the end of his points on this one. I'm not going to go through the whole article. I can, we'll post it later. He says, this explanation is more plausible. Republicans in power have been remarkably good at realizing their top priorities, cutting taxes for corporations and the wealthy, increasing military spending, cutting food stamps and safety net programs, eliminating limits on election spending by corporations, gutting environmental protection laws, maintaining a preferential option for nationalism over refugees and immigrants, supporting the easy availability of assault weapons, keeping health care a largely private and for-profit industry, greenlighting the Contras, the Iraq War, torture, the death penalty, and a host of other policies that run counter to Catholic social teaching. On ending abortion, however, arguably their main selling point to Catholic voters, they have been strangely ineffectual. Before we do that, we're from our sponsors. Have you ever wanted to train Muay Thai? Perhaps there's no gyms near you. Perhaps you work odd hours. Perhaps, like a few of us, you don't like germs. Whichever way it goes, can train online with some of the best instructors from around the country, either live or in class with other students. Living Muay Thai gives you the chance to do all of this and much more. So jump into live classes and on demand right now. LivingMuayThai.com No, I mean, I don't think anybody, I think Keith already mm. said it. I'd be the same way. I'd be like, well, there's bigger fish to fry here. You know what I mean? And so I think that's kind of what the Republicans are doing. And I yeah. see what – I don't really like the, that author's take on it because I don't see a divide between Republicans and, and Democrats. Well, I mean, there is one, but I don't think it's good yeah. because right. people take a seat on that side and then they pretty much start adopting because we have this subconscious that, well – if we believe in something, then we only will see things that support our beliefs. And then the more you're around those groups. So I think it's horrible yeah. to kind of seat yourself outside of the total middle. Well, I'm, what I'm saying is that... Well, I, what I want to finish at oh, is like any of those things that are opposed, like like it went from, I looked at it as individual sort of like analysis to now it's party-wise, and they're saying, yeah. like, Republicans are doing this. And I agree with his concept of, like, all right, if you're going to support the death penalty and you're part of the church, we're going to pull you aside and say, look, you can't really be public about this and still take communion here. You know what I mean? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Whether it is abortion or not. Yeah. Or, right. Yeah, that would be my stance. Yeah, because it's, it's one of those things where that is definitely a Republican, you know, platform, right? And yet, mm -hmm. out of all those things that they work on, the one big selling point, I mean, that they're always trying to go for, and every pro-Trumper I know touts that as his big accomplishment is he was against abortion. That's the number one thing they always say. No, no, he wasn't. <laughs> I mean, it was I think, huge in the Bush Jr. one, too. But, yeah. I think we need to separate, though. I mean, because it, it's politicized on both sides. Mm -hmm. It is. Absolutely, it is. church, Catholic mm -hmm. or not. Yeah it's still politicized. And so if the issue is really the sanctity of life, this is where I feel like, I mean, you have Republicans who are Catholic and you have Democrats who are, who are Catholic. So, I mean, you have to divide within the Catholic church right. already. We have to divide in our church. I remember the same conversation happening in ours or, uh, and this was around the time Bush was going up against Obama. I can't remember. I think it was. And I remember overhearing a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, talk with another woman who was saying that she's voting for Obama and her reasons why. And she was pretty staunch about it. He's like, how can you? He supports abortion. You know, and that's, that was it. Yeah. It stopped right there. Yeah. It stopped right there intellectually. Yeah. <laughs> it stopped right there in many other ways. So my, my argument to that is that, you know, we, somehow we think we hold a higher ground, but you know Republicans who support war, um, 
if it's an if it's a, if you're talking about the sanctity of life, yeah. that knife cuts both ways. Yeah. And I feel like abortion just gets politicized, and it will always be politicized. Big time. Yeah. And you know, but to Biden is a you know he may be a good Catholic. I don't know if he's devout or not. I do know that he's a career politician. Definitely. Definitely. And he Nobody's understands the game. Yeah. That that is to be played. So. Um, yeah, I, I, and I, I would respect the bishop's position more, and I think they would actually have a lot more constructive to put into it if they weren't also playing the game. My thing is that they they are basically, in so many words, reducing what is what does it mean to be a pro-life politician? It means to support these things that Republicans have done without any further introspection. They're always lobbying for, you know, these the heartbeat bills or... Uh, you know, certain restrictions on, you know, I got to I got to uh, do an ultrasound here or, you know, like things were like they're actually talking about, like, it's going to be a requirement that you have to insert something into a woman to do the ultrasound as a condition of this medical procedure, which is pretty whack. And, and what we're finding is when we talk about, you know, a lot of this is being done at the state legislature level and they're being done by uh, Republican supermajorities in states, including Ohio. And there's really kind of like no bottom level of like stupidity or malice that goes in these laws. We're Ohio has been like a total hotbed for this. There's been, uh, you know, bills that have been de- debated in at least committee where it's like, uh, we're gonna, uh, any doctor who doesn't transplant an ectopic pregnancy out of the fallopian tube, uh, could be guilty of, of performing an abortion. And that's a medically impossible procedure. <laughs> Like, like we're really we're all across the United States. We are entrusting the dumbest people in our society to make laws that requires require a lot of medical precision, and most of the church in the U.S. is cheering them on, especially in particular the U.S. Catholic bishops. Yeah, no, I I, I would agree with you. There's a lot of dumb people making this. <laughs> but you know, when I think back to like nine eleven, when that happened. And when, you know, both the House and the Senate had to vote whether or not we go to war. Uh, do you guys remember about what that split was between Republicans and Democrats who just, hey, yeah, let's just go to war. We, we need to go ahead and invade Afghanistan because we don't know what else to do right now. Right. Everybody. There were, yeah. I Literally one woman, and she, to her credit, she was a Democrat, voted against going to war. That was Cynthia McKinney. And uh, Republicans and Democrats alike voted for it. And the loss of life, I, I, mean, I don't think it has ended yet. It's, so if we're talking about the sanctity of life, I mean, this is where I feel like. Ooh, that's hairy because like, there is an argument that let's just say everybody's being honest. You know, like, let's say there's no corruption and there's not an oil thing going on or whatever. That's the side. But war is, in some cases, a, a prevention of more loss to life. You know what I mean? So I think it's not apples to apples comparison to abortion. I mean, that's a direct attack. You know what I mean? Where, where if you're like, okay, there's an attack against us. How do we stop it? You, you don't just pray. <laughs> what if what if one woman having an abortion, though, could potentially save lives? Then? Yeah. I mean, there's an argument. But there's... But not for the majority of abortions. Agreed. You know what I mean? You you can make the case. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not totally anti-abortion. Like, I think mm. it should be outside of politics or outside of, yeah. Like, I don't really want to say, all right, you, you know, women don't have any say in it. But I definitely 100% don't want to say there's never a case for it. Because I'm not going to choose whether it's the woman who keeps her life or a baby that keeps their life, if that's the case. I'm not going to choose whether... She has to live with the known that the baby is a product of rape or whatever. But there's no way to know really that the baby is going to come out and, and annihilate people. You know what I mean? So yeah, I fully agree. I just feel like it's the same case. There's no way to truly know. But what if you did know? That's what I'm saying. We, we did it. We still don't know. Uh, that's what I was we, trying to put aside. Let's say, let's say we had convincing intel that said, look, they were building this nuke. What if Japan was like, they have this nuke. And they're gonna drop it on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. What do we do? You know what I mean? Like, like if they didn't, you know, if the whole thing. You know, we actually had intelligence about that. 
Are you, ta- are you talking about... I'm giving you a hypothetical now. <laughs> I thought like, you were talking about World War II. No, I'm saying, like, if you had a convincing... Item, let's say you were the president, uh-huh. and someone said, look, here's some photos. They're going to bomb us in one week. Yeah. What do you do? Like, is that the same as abortion? Like, attacking them, having a strategic attack? No, no, no. I'm just talking about the safe to do. And yeah. From that aspect, I see your the perspective point. of life sacred no matter what or where. Yeah, the broad strokes, though, that never is going to work. And that's that's yeah, why yeah. we're in politics. Yeah. That's what we're talking about politics, though, because you make those decisions. Yeah. And what I'm saying is here in America, when it comes to that, both sides play the game. Yeah, if we make it Democrat and Republican. But what, let me ask this, though, Gumby. We want the first. war based on, I believe it was General Powell saying uh, yellow cake in the tube. You know, he went before and everyone voted after that. And it was a lie. It was a lie. Right. People lost their lives over a lie. So this is, you know, so this is my throwback always against staunch Republicans who would say, oh, there was there. It's they support abortion. They kill people. They kill babies. And I'm like, back that up a bit. Yeah. And let's take this hypothetical and put it a little bit closer. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, and I'm not saying, like, well, I'm, I'm making a moral judgment here, but I'm like just saying that as a normally neutral statement, that part. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, this is not moral uh, there will be, given, given the current legislative makeup of our states, there will be significant atrocities committed against women. I think it's inevitable because there will be laws passed at the state level. Because remember, Roe v. Wade overturning it just sends it back to the states. And we have states right now who are already committed to this cause. Texas is dipping their toes in the water. We will have significant injustices committed against, um, you know, good actors in the medical industry, you know, people who aren't even performing abortions and against women who have had an abortion. There will be at least a couple states, I bet, who will actually directly legislate penalties for women who have abortions. No doubt. Yeah. I guess my stance was the hypothetical was even easier. <coughs> Gumby, if you were the head priest at St. Mary's Baptist or, or Catholic, I guess that's Baptist, but St. Mary's, whatever. Uh, and Joe Biden just got done with his like running for president and they asked him point blank, are you pro-abortion? And he said yes. So there's no like this law. If it's this law, if it's that law, it's just yes. The term is pro-choice. That's that's a good point though, because if you ask Joe Biden if he's pro-abortion, he's not gonna say yes. Nope. All right, pro-choice. All right, it's good enough. And then so he walks in, and you just got done watching the debate, and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna take communion today. Do you stop him or do you let him?" Depends on the priest. Uh, Gumby's the priest. Oh, priest Gumby. Sorry, yeah. We're gonna go around the room. We're doing a round table. Father Gumby. Is he under oh, that oh. Anglican thing where they? Can be well, I gotta priest? remove my own bias for that. I mean, Poppy Gumby. I remember being rejected communion because I just wasn't Catholic. So I gotta remove some okay, yeah, filters yeah. before. Hmm. Um. You know, I don't know. If I was the priest, I'd want to have a serious heart-to-heart talk with him. Uh, and and, and want to know some things because uh, absolutely Biden is a person of influence over all of our country, right? It, yep. You know, largely in the world. So I would want to know because what he does makes a difference in a lot of people's mm-hmm. lives. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I would want to have that conversation. Do I think it would happen or that it's owed to me or that he owes it to me? Probably not. Yeah. He wouldn't do it. I don't think so. I mean... Human beings, I mean, we can, we're good and bad. True, we're, true. We're so good and bad, and we, we know how to be really good, and we know how to be really bad when we need to. Yeah. So, and I just, uh, it wouldn't be my place to tell him no. Okay. Wow. Whose place would it be? I don't know, in the Catholic <laughs> Church, but, you know, I'm not, I, I'm just saying from a God point of view, it wouldn't be my position to judge another man. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I get for, that. For the record, this is what his uh, local archbishop basically would agree with. So you're you're okay. Wilton Gregory. <laughs> how about how about you? What would you say? Same scenario. I mean, I I think we can't. I don't think we can judge anybody in the communion line. 
I think it I think we can state what the faith is and here are the conditions and this is what the norms are for a Catholic. And I think we can't we can't judge on any of those things. Like we have to give you know, Bill Barr gets communion, Joe Biden gets communion, Nancy Pelosi gets communion, whoever shows up. Uh I mean Ever? You ever you never can so let's say someone I, I murder think, someone on the way up to the communion. You're still like, well, we, maybe we in should, the last we should probably seconds. stop was mass it, at that point. Was it more like <laughs> a Hitler, or was it more like <laughs> you know a schoolgirl? Was what? Say, so is it more like a Hitler or a schoolgirl? Who did they murder? You know, honestly, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, I, you would really, really, really hope that there's someone in his life, like a priest, if it's not his own priest or not, that would say in love, look, you're gonna. T- I know you're a Catholic. You're gonna want to take communion. For many different reasons, whether it's public or political or for your own private faith. Uh, but you know the ramifications if your heart isn't pure. That's yeah. solely on you. Mm. Okay. You know, I. Yeah. That's solely on you. And it's, it's valid. As a, as a friend, I would caution him yeah. to do that. Yeah, I mean, there are times in my own life when I, I didn't feel comfortable taking communion to church because I'm like, I shouldn't. Yeah. But in this case, you would be the head priest. Yeah. It would have made national news, and you would have to speak for it. That's so tough, Which it did. Man. That's so when tough. When a yeah. priest did deny him. Yeah. Oh, a priest actually denied Biden? Oh, yeah. Was this recent or like a long time ago? Oh, no, it was uh, eight months ago. Really? Wow. Yeah, he was visiting a different state. and uh, uh, Campaign stuff. Yeah. And uh, he was, uh, that priest, when he walked up, said, mm, no. And he denied him communion. Yeah. Hmm. What about you, Aaron? You're in the same scenario. <sighs> Thank you. I'm out of the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> in this one, I hate to say it, but kind of like the uh, the bishops in Rome, they said, "Do not weaponize the Eucharist," mm. because the Eucharist is often the medicine for the soul. So if you if you turn it into a political weapon, are you any better? than what you're trying them to not be. So I kind of have to side with Gumby on this because what if it's only through love and communication that you can actually get that point across? So, yeah, if I, if I were to examine my own conscience and realize this may be the only way for him to understand and, and to find that medicine of the soul to find uh, the meaning of life, and maybe it dawns on him, that ultimately comes between him and God at that point. I don't disagree with that concept, nor do I disagree with really a lot of the concepts here of of anti-judgment, but I do think, you know, we're called to look differently to Christians, Mm -hmm. you know, or compared to the rest of the world. And, like, I do think the onus is on the priest here to maybe Mm -hmm. not reject communion entirely, but... There has to be a conversation and a statement. Once it's public, I think there has to be a way, because that's another way to speak God's truth yeah. and say, look, this is a complex subject, and then this is our, our take, both well, politically and you know, spiritually. That's got to be tough for a priest. Uh, yeah. you know, or at least yeah. bump it up, you know, because there are PR. Well, <laughs> even Biden aside, you know there are priests and pastors alike on the Protestant side who are looking at people coming up for communion like, yeah, you better take a double dose of this. <laughs> I know what you're going <laughs> yeah. through and you're whatever. Yeah, yeah but the priest should be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, That's an interesting, like, you think of, like, how many people are going up for the communion, a quote-unquote, <clears throat> unworthy state oh, like yeah. you almost, once you weaponize it for like anything it almost feels like maybe you should just stop having communion out of risk that you give it to anybody worldly do you know how many chronic masturbators statistically speaking show up at the communion line i probably shouldn't have said that out loud <laughs> just think statistically based on how many people do that versus how many people go to communion versus how many people go to confession it's inevitable I gotta Think stop about the it. jokes right now <laughs> <laughs> i drink too much <laughs> Yeah, but they're not on a platform saying I'm pro <laughs> pro masturbation. <laughs> you're gonna need two hands. <laughs> <laughs> like Idiot. that's where you're. Yeah, the jokes don't end. <laughs> <laughs> that's where okay, you have, you have a chance to repent or whatever. But now if you're just like I'm on the pro masturbation table here. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're gonna have to have a talk, just the same. Okay. Before we pull another out, um, <laughs> oh no, oh my! <laughs> I'm gonna go to. Nice. I think we beat this Roman topic to death. <laughs> <laughs> My God, the children. <laughs> oh, man. There, there does reach... There, there, there does reach where there uh, might be a, uh, a convolution between uh, pastoral leadership and civil authority. Because if you uh, dive into things like, say, uh, Romans 13... Right, mm -hmm. what it says: Let every person be subordinate to the higher authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority opposes what God has appointed, and those oppose it will bring judgment upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear to good conduct, but to evil. Do you wish to have no fear of authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive approval from it. For it is a servant of God for your good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword without purpose. It is the servant of God to inflict wrath on the evildoer. Therefore, it is necessary to be subject, not only because of the wrath, but also because of conscience. This is why you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Pay to all their dues, taxes to whom taxes are due, tolls to whom tolls are due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. So there may be, even according to the Bible itself, a slight you know, separation between your civil authority and your pastoral authority at your parish. That's tough. I mean, that could be a whole other episode because then, <laughs> you know, because you got some, so many people today questioning corrupt authority. Yeah. And who's corrupt and who isn't. So why should you have to follow corrupt authority? And that authority wags, you know, every four years. Yeah. You know, I think as a priest or pastor, I mean, if I was someone who was in... And I have been in my life before, but right now, who's just in constant sin, and I was constantly taking communion or the Eucharist at the Catholic Church, and the priest knew what I was going through, you know, him actually speaking really hard truth would go much so further, like, hey, why are you doing this? Right. Why are you taking this? You, just stop doing what you're doing. Stop it. Right. Then take it. It would be more effective than I think just the Eucharist itself, for sake of tradition. Yeah, I just—that's my. That's we believe my, it, but I think because a lot of maybe just different than Catholics, but they, you know, they take the I, Eucharist to a whole other level. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. why I was going to bring up. I mean, I know for the Catholics, I mean, the Eucharist is something. I think different. Oh, it's it's central to everything we believe in. Right. And it goes right back to even what the Bible says and and what the first century. Christians said Ignatius of Antioch actually went so far as to say do not even uh, maintain fellowship with people who do not see this as the actual blood of, and body of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's a first century Christian taught by Paul the Apostle. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's like, it it's scriptural. I mean, it's, uh, in fact, it's in the Bible again. If we go back there, when Paul speaks about... Um, the Eucharist, um, he expressly says this is one loaf received by all congregations throughout time. So it's, you yeah. know, it, it's, it's a very, very biblical belief for us. Uh, we take it very, very seriously where it's, it's not simply a symbol. Where, where the apostles and the people they taught said, do not treat this as a symbol. So, right. But at the same you know. time, would you acknowledge that there are people... Who could take it and still be playing games? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Yeah. I I believe that there are people who are taking it and playing games. Yeah. <laughs> so, Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. we've cut because a few folks have said this in different ways. But I'm curious. Like we've been talking about this like pastoral. It, it almost sounds like uh, what Pope Francis calls uh, accompaniment in Amoris Morris Letitia, um, one of his recent encyclicals. 
or pastor that's actually not it's a pastoral ex ex papal exhortation so it's not encyclical but never mind i got my terms wrong since i'm catholic and i don't read um <clears throat> but so what is, so say there's a pastor or bishop who takes him alongside and tries to knock some sense into him and biden takes it to heart what does this look like does does biden come out and say well oh those guys in texas i agree with their laws or i um, you know, I'm pro heartbeat bill or I'm, or does it mean he has to be supporting a federal, uh, a ban on abortion or an anti-abortion amendment? What, what does this actually look like? That's a good question. I mean, yeah. at that, you know, at that point, and if you're going to choose to stay a politician on some level, it doesn't become about right or left or Republican or Democrat. You become libertarian. <laughs> yes i think a statement that shows some intellect like that you know it goes a long way if i if i would say look i'm um pro-life or but i'm anti this legislation that's in the bill in being passed so i can't vote in the direction my heart is because there's all this other stuff in these bills you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah. and, so you say if he said he was pro-life but he he. This is why he supports all these policies. Yeah, and he doesn't even have to go super granular. But yeah, he's he can even be vague about. There are plenty of things that violate women's rights mm. outside of the abortion. It's the mm -hmm. procedures, you know, to get high level like that. I think it would take a lot of people off their platform. Honestly, I think it does boil down to people are just like oh, I'm a Republican, so I'm going to trash this guy. You know what I mean? I think Gumby's right that it just gets politicized. I don't even think people really, really care about the abortion as much as it is just a, another thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I do think same. I, like I will dog the the um, Christian media or whoever's going to speak. So I'm not just going to say the Catholics, um, even though it is a Catholic topic. But I, I'll say there might not be as loud in the mainstream, and neither is Joe Biden in defense of his take. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I mean, to, to if that represents conversion for him, he's kind of said at least part of that. He I think I believe he's on the record saying he is personally pro life. Really, but in terms of poly, that I don't know the exact quote, but that the editorial I actually linked to actually says as much. Oh neat. So like like, this is what a lot of Catholic politicians do is they say there is this divide between what we can ascribe to personally and what we can practically support as policy. And that was what I was kind of getting at with these double-edged sword that, that seem to be in all yeah, these laws right. that the bishops and, and, you know, all strains of U.S. Christianity mm -hmm. are supporting. And, like, if, if Biden came out and, and said, you know, just that, reiterated that, it might have been what he already said or what he already believes mm -hmm. and thus doesn't represent a conversion. And if he goes the exact opposite way, he's probably actually, like, He's he's probably playing in a lot of the same destruction that a lot of the pro-life movement is. But if there is, like, mm. corruption in the church that's saying, like, okay, we're going to support these bills that are hypocritical, then it's a chance for him. Like, I, I really don't think he's, like, cerebral enough to, to really talk. I think, you know, he maybe has staff that would. <coughs> but I do think it's a conversation that needs to be brought to the public because— We've become a lame duck society, and, mm -hmm. and we don't know the details of the issues that we really think we Ooh, care about. This is the bell <clears throat> for that. <laughs> Coin a t-shirt. <laughs> That's As, hard. That's hard to hear, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I think if we, we raise these things on a public level, think of the, the amount of depth would be added to these social media debates. You know, now it's just like, ah, you're a killer. Now it's like, well, no, look at this. You, know, you have to insert this so, or that. So you want to get in the mud with the bishops and defend his honor. Which sounds kind of interesting. I do, I do. I think if they, I I'm think, intrigued. I think we have to really have a, a knockdown, dragout fight to get rid of corruption. It's so rampant in yes. and, and all sides, and mm -hmm. and it and it divides ourselves like the societies against each other because the people in the know are corrupt. I do not disagree. It, it would force the issue in some here, other here. directions where we're now we would actually shift the conversation back. All these politicians who say they're pro-life. What are they really? Are they doing this because of a deep-seated belief or because it's good for fundraising? Which right. I think is what a vast right. majority of these, these state-level bills end up being is great fundraising vehicles. You can brag. You can show up at every right-to-life meeting and be like, I, I'm, I've drafted this thing that says all these women are going to jail if they have an abortion. And all these people go, yeah! yeah. But but there's such a, uh, a stigma behind like authentic, like undistilled by politics uh, pro-life beliefs like i think the reason 
why Joe Biden and I, I remember there was actually a statement by uh, the I think it was a, the Democratic National Committee chair who said like something as blunt as like there's no room for like pro-life beliefs in the party like no specific word pro-life actually means something completely different to the constituency that is not in the pro-life movement like it literally if you walk into a room of leftists and say you're pro-life it's, it's it can be code for like saying like you're racist right, basically right because it's been so saddled down with these other things pro-life in the just in the last year as it uh inherited um you know let's kill grandma to restart the economy uh vaccine refusal as well as um uh voting restrictions uh it's become this whole big bag like our local pro-life uh, right to life organization I don't think they posted a single thing about uh, defense of life like during the pandemic. It was all this like let's let's do the ratios, let's let's mm. you know let's get back in in the economy and and you know maybe we'll lose some essential workers, but it'll be all okay. Wow, it was yeah rough. party line right yeah. basically yeah yeah I totally agree with that. It's like the worst thing for Christians are Christians, and the worst thing for Republicans are Republicans. Yeah. As soon as you take that stance and that label, that's it. You can't be authentic and you have to be kind of like cheap yeah it's tough well i think it's time for us to move on to an evangelical story join us in part two for the rest of the conversation <laughs>